I'm doing a memory palace of podcast recommendations this week. First room, not doing a book this week. First room, petting zoo for a Jason Fried interview on the Knowledge Project. Second, fitness center uh, for a Mark Manson interview on the Model Health Show. The third room is covered with moleskin paper. Uh, this represents Alan Seppenwall and Mad Zoller sites in the moment. That's Brian Koppelman's podcast. Room four, a white room with all your unfinished projects on the wall. This is for the podcast Start With This by the creators of Welcome to the Night Vale, Joseph Fink and Jeffrey Craner. And then the last room is a driving range. You're, you're going outdoors now. Driving range with pie all over all over the place. And this is for Scott, an episode or an interview with Scott Page on the Knowledge Project with Shane Parrish. Let's get to it. You walk to the living room. It is now a petting zoo. All sorts of animals in there. Lots of furry stuff, reptiles, even an octopus. This room represents a podcast episode, The Knowledge Project, which is Shane Parrish's podcast, The Farnham Street Podcast. His guest was Jason Freed from Basecamp. The title is Doing the Enough Thing. Jason, Jason Freed and DHH, uh, David Heinmeier Hansen from Basecamp are two people I really look up to as far as their work philosophy, that kind of thing. They do seem to have a worldview that really resonates in that I think there's always those examples of people who there, there's that idea that like billionaires aren't ha- there's a lot plenty of unhappy billionaires, unhappy millionaires. The base camp founders are millionaires, I'm guessing multimillionaires, and they also seem to enjoy life, which is a good thing, like and make it kind of a priority to make sure that the people, the base camp employees also enjoy their time there and have time outside of work. Here is a quote. If you're only measuring the output and the outcome in terms of how customers felt about it, but you're not thinking about how people, actual, actually humans, felt about it, I think you're missing a big, big picture. Now, of course, if you really don't really care about the people in the company and you're like, I'll just replace them if they leave because there's a million people knocking at the door who want jobs here. I mean, you can do it that way. I don't think that that's a really great way to run a company, but you can do it that way too. Then maybe... You don't care about the feel so much. The tool here is that this is a tool that I actually, I pulled out of this. Uh, sometimes drop the numbers and consider how things feel. That's kind of like the theme of this section of that episode. Uh, Jason Fried just talks about how important feel is in the company that they have metrics and things like that. But as far as uh, product design goes there's a sense of how did it feel especially especially like how a project goes just include like thinking about the employees and the people that were working on a project in hindsight how does it feel what they say is just that like if you have this if you created this feature that customers love but then you lost three employees on the way because they burned out and the rest of the team is burned out as well then was that successful? Depends who you ask, right? In his case, it's a hard no. Especially like in the long-term success of the company, projects like that are failures. The connection I had here was this idea, j- just on an individual level, um, thinking about how does your day feel? How do different activities in the day feel? And also this other question of, are you sure? 
I wrote that down uh, thinking of this book by Bill Burnett and Dave Evans called Designing Your Life. They talk about the Good Time Journal. It's a book I enjoy about if you're trying to figure out, like, I guess, yeah, like what you want to do with your life, uh, what you want to be when you grow up, but you're already an adult. It's a good one to check out to map out possible futures for yourself. Yeah. So, so one activity they have is the Good Time Journal where you record different activities and then measure them on two metrics energy and engagement. This is another thing. I just said, like, don't measure thing, like, th that there's something in feel and not measuring things. But that said, energy and engagement in your life are not, you're going to measure it based on feel. There's not going to be like a hard note. Anyway, here is a quote from the book. Here's another key element when you're wayfinding in life. Follow the joy. Follow what engages and excites you, what brings you alive. Most people are taught that work is always hard and that we have to suffer through it. Well, there are parts of any job or any career that are hard and annoying, but most of what you do at work is but if most of what you do at work is not bringing you alive, then it's killing you. It's your career after all, and you are going to be spending a lot of time doing it. We calculate it at 90,000 to 125,000 hours during the course of your lifetime. If it's not fun, a lot of your life is going to suck. Now, what makes work fun? It's not what you think. It's not one unending office party. It's not getting paid a lot of money. It's not having multiple weeks of paid vacations. Work is fun when you are actually leaning into your strengths and are deeply engaged and energized by what you're doing. That's the end of the quote. I think that's a great way to look at the things that you're working on. I've tried this and I, I want to try it again. Something they talk about in the book is that it's important to record it and record like energy and engagement sort of like right after like as you finish like right after you finish whatever activity it was because in hindsight there are going to be things that you find surprising you, you might think something energizes you and uh is engaging but uh looking back at it from a week ago like if you have just a list of activities and then you start uh giving them ratings on those things then you might find it, it might not be accurate anyway think about how you feel don't measure it. Think about how you feel. And to do that, you have to measure it. Not not really, but um, it, it, is a, it is a good thing to track it. Then fill your life with things you enjoy doing. Before you walk in the room, you hear footsteps and belts whirring. You walk in. It's actually a fitness center. There are a bunch of treadmills. And in the center of the room, or yeah, like the center treadmill... You see someone very tall running. It's Kevin Love. Heavy footsteps, running very fast. He's on the treadmill at an incline. And then above it, in front of him, is a bag of 10-sided dice. This is a note for the Model Health Show. The episode was 343, The Paradox of Progress and the Life. Or the Life-Changing Laws of Emotion with Mark Manson. Mark Manson's the author of Subtle Art of Not Giving an F. And then he does have a new book coming out. I think it's called Everything is F'd. This is a good episode just about if, you, if you're interested in happiness, positive psychology, that kind of thing. And the reason that I had the treadmill there is that they talk about the hedonic treadmill. This idea that you're always going to chase um, something else it's that idea of like you become you win the lottery and then you think you'll be happy forever and that's not the case you'll return back to 
this baseline of happiness. He describes a research study where pretty much, so so what they did is had people, um, I think they get pagers and then throughout the day, the researchers will page the participants and then the participant will write down how they're feeling at that moment, what they're doing, and then how they're feeling on a happiness scale of one to 10. And the conclusion was pretty much everyone's at a seven all the time. You're shopping for gross. And what he says here, uh, Mark Manson says, shopping for groceries, seven, putting my kid to bed, seven. And then maybe something good would happen. They have a birthday, so they'd go up to a nine for a day. But the day after their birthday, they're back to a seven or they have a fight with their boss down to a five. That's the end of the quote. And yeah, he goes on to just describe like different moments and how people will return roughly to a seven, this baseline of happiness. And the tool here is to, this is what I pulled out, is to stop chasing those tens. So that's why I had uh, the treadmill in this bag of, or this bucket of 10-sided dice is you're on this treadmill and you're always chasing these tens, which don't exist. And we could, I I guess I could add on that uh, 10-sided dice. I'll, I guess it's 20-sided dice to um, when I'm thinking about like Dungeons and Dragons or keeping score in Magic the Gathering, which are both fantasies or fantasy games. So those those 10, 10-sided dice, those 10s are actually this fantasy that uh, becomes very difficult to achieve, but you so every once in a while you'll actually get to that 10. Then you think, oh, I always want to be here. And then you, the problem becomes that maybe you do get to the 10, then that actually does become kind of your regular life. And because of that, and then you imagine some 13s roughly. And what happens is your 10 becomes your seven. You return back to that seven. So um, I guess I don't have like the, the tactics to do to do this right now or like the tactics I it's to recognize that sometimes you are chasing those tens and that recognition. And of course, just building self-awareness is so important. Um, thinking about what your goals are and then recognizing that like, if you look at why you're trying to get to that goal, is it because you think you're going to get there and then just be eternally happy or um, blissful. And I guess the the uh, tool that I would, um, just relating it to the treadmill, it reminded me of Grit, uh, the book by Angela Duckworth. She talks about, this is kind of a, a different kind of treadmill. So you want to get off the hedonic treadmill and then get on the grit treadmill where it's like that thing about, um, she says there there is some study if, about people on treadmills and then um, staying on it for however long. And the people that um, stayed on, on it the longest ended up su- successful. And something she mentions in the book that stuck with me is that um, being gritty doesn't mean staying on it forever. It means uh, the next day getting back on the treadmill, um, going back to, yeah, getting to work and the, um so that's kind of like the, the grit treadmill is like you can't show your grit in just one running session. Um, 
you show it day after day, showing up, fighting the resistance. And yeah, that that that's what I had. Oh yeah, and the reason I had Kevin Love there was that um in this episode they talk a lot about um uh, mental health and I I always think of oh uh Mark Manson talks about how he um of course like Subtle Art is one of the most popular books of it seems like the past five years. It's everywhere. If you open up Audible, uh, you're gonna see and you're gonna see it in like recommended it seems to always be in the top 10 for any nonfiction things and then you'll always see in the airport and currently i think i forgot what bookstore i was in but there are just a bunch of different books with the f word around it because likely because of the success of uh this book and he talks about how um he was pretty depressed after uh being successful and or yeah finding success with that book he had all these goals for his writing career and then he achieved them with that book and he expected that process to be longer instead he reached success he hit all the milestones that he wanted to hit for his life and then you don't have anything to hope for and of course people it it became hard for him to talk about it because he knew he, he recognized that um it would be hard for people to relate like and it's always this thing always reminds me of um, reading about like professional athletes, NBA players that uh, whenever they complain about something, if you jump to the comments, you'll always, always find something about like, oh, maybe they should go cry to their like bags of money. And roughly like rich people aren't allowed to be sad. Um, and that's why I have Kevin Love here. I, I think he's a good he he came he discussed his mental problems um openly and i think that was a big thing and i think it's a good, i've mentioned this before like that this is a good pattern that i think uh celebrities and people with a platform are doing is bringing up uh that they do have mental problems or like um uh, mental health problems that they come into data just um yeah, that that they have to deal with. And yeah, maybe they're criticized by some people, but I think it helps a lot of people who think that they're not allowed to talk about these things. Anyway, um, stop. Ch- <laughs> yeah, so stop chasing those tens. Um, go for a run outside and learn to enjoy that run outside and enjoy the time that you're running instead of thinking about uh, that end goal. All right, let's go to the next room. You are approaching a room. You hear Don Draper. Uh, You walk in. You look at the walls. They're sort of off-white, kind of yellow. You walk up closer to it. You feel it. Nice, smooth paper on the wall feels kind of like a moleskin or the paper inside of moleskin unruled no lines no grids then you start to see that it's transforming a little bit and uh, just imagine like automate or like invisible ink but the reverse so you are starting to see things being drawn on the wall they look like storyboards from 
movies, TV, pretty simple shapes. And then you notice that on the other side of the room opposite of the entrance that you walked into, there is a TV You and a couch. The TV is playing Mad Men. You walk toward the couch. There is a laptop sitting there. On it is a chat window. You're about to read it, and this room represents an episode of The Moment by Brian Koppelman. He had on Alan Sepinwall and Matt Zoller's sites. Great episode, especially if you're a fan of Mad Men or The Sopranos. They talk about, well, there's just discussion, like debates about uh, those shows, what the ending meant for them of both The Sopranos and then also like the last scene in Mad Men. They, the, the three of them, between the three of them, they just have so much knowledge about filmmaking, TV, movies, and criticism. Uh, the, and... Uh, being on both ends of it, so always that's just a good discussion to hear uh, the creator like Koppelman has made movies has made t v and then he is talking to critics who have built up taste and have created their own things as well. Uh, Koppelman says that uh Sepinwall's recaps of Mad Men were some of his favorite like when it was pretty much lie like during that time he says those were the things he was he looked most looked forward to reading each week which pretty high praise the reason that i had these things i'll just go through the room so um one really interesting thing uh, or not one but the, the thing that has stuck with me from this episode and i think you'll enjoy it if you enjoy listening to writers talking about writing which i think some people are just fascinated by but i could also just understand why people wouldn't care at all uh anyway i am definitely fascinated to hear these process hear about these processes and the tools that they use so uh one of them uses a moleskin notebook he will take it to the movies or take it to the theater and throughout the movie, we'll draw, write notes in it, but also we'll be drawing storyboards of different scenes, uh, continue to draw. And this is even on like the first view of, of a movie is um, doing these drawings. And uh, a topic that, or like a question that Brian Koppelman asks is like, do you ever stop taking notes? And um, the response is that, Sometimes, yes, like, um, he'll get so absorbed into a movie that he will, uh, like, as it gets more exciting, the writing will get bigger, that kind of thing, but then they mention a specific scene, and it's Fellowship of the Ring, when the Balrog comes, that he just said, like, uh, put the notebook down, and just said, I'm so happy right now, and just enjoyed the movie at that point. Um, so he, he'll just draw, and write those notes throughout and by the end of it he will have the first draft of the review that he's working on then the reason I had the couch and the TV in this was just to remember that uh, and Mad Men um, the other process for the laptop is 
writing those TV reviews. He says that, I think this is Seppenwall saying that he would have his laptop out throughout the episode and he'll just write basically like, he describes it as a courtroom transcript of the episode, just sort of scene by scene what's happening. And then uh, capture his feelings as those things happen. Then when the episode is done, he has his first draft of the review that he's writing. And he says these are detailed enough that he wrote a book about um, a show. I forget exactly what show it was. It was either Sopranos or Mad Men or Breaking Bad. But he was able to write that book uh, without having to rewatch every single episode because he had his super detailed notes. Um, And then the reason that I had the chat window in on the laptop that was sitting on the couch is just another technique. Like this was a cool, it sounded like a cool tactic. So uh, one of them talks about like writer's block and whenever, when he would feel blocked, he would just ask a friend if they wanted to chat about something or like talk about an episode. And then sure. then they would hop in the chat window and he would just write. Uh, and he would say that he'd write about it some back and forth, and then there'd be a thousand words, and that would be the first draft of the review that he was writing. And I am in Central Park. I'm recording. I don't know how much of that background noise is being captured, but, um, yeah, that's it for the rooms. Go check that episode out. I think I'm going to compile a few of these into just a podcast recap. Um, I probably said that at the beginning of this, but maybe not. Anyway, um... Happy Sunday. I hope you're having a good week. You're about to enter the room. You hear a lot of squeaking. Kind of sounds like a marker. You look around and it is a completely white room, or it used to be. There's black writing all over it. You look closer and it has a title that says, Someday I'll Do This. And then you see that someone is writing all along the wall. It's Twyla Tharp. She is the acclaimed dancer. Then the one white thing in the room that is unmarked is this enormous egg in the center of it. What this room represents is an episode of Start With This. Actually, it's the first episode of it. It's called Idea to Execution. It's from the creators of Welcome to Night Vale by Jeffrey Craner and Joseph Fink. This is a nonfiction podcast that they have started, and it's about creativity. And actually, I really like it because it's focused on creating a podcast. Uh, Though writing in general, but they do have these assignments that are uh, with creating a podcast in mind uh, toward the end of it. And um what they have is like two assignments so one is input and one is creation so for this episode they talk about um taking an hour to work on something and what they say is and this is what the the writing on the wall in this room represents um so they say i would encourage you in here to pick an idea that is one of your someday i'll do this ideas everyone has those those like This is going to be my big project. This is going to be the one. Someday I'll do it. Choose that and use this hour on that. 
So the assignment is to take a, one hour to work on whatever idea, uh, just pick an idea and then work on it for an hour. At the end of the hour, stop. Or they suggest also you could break it up if you don't have an hour of solid time that you can work on this. The point is to constrain it to just that hour to get started on it, uh, get to the, complete it, and then now you have a draft of it. You have well, a sketch of it. I think this is great. I think a lot of times people won't get started because they know that, uh, and, and this is what this episode talks about, is you won't get started on something because you want to do a good job of it. But it is going to be hard to do a good job of it the first time. Then it just becomes this thing of uh, if I don't have 12 hours to dedicate to this to make it good, then I'm not even going to start it. But there's a lot of power in using a timer, uh, constraining it to one hour, uh, constraining anything. And it's that thing of like uh, the work will expand to fill the time that you give it. So uh, the good thing there is that you can give it not much time uh, in the long run, like one hour in the course of, I mean, even in the course of a week or even in a day, you can likely find an hour, uh, certainly over the course of a week, if you break it up. Then the thing in uh, the room, the reason that I had Twyla Tharp as the person in the room dancing around and writing the writing on the wall is that I often think of her book, uh, The Creative Habit, which is maybe my favorite book on creativity. Definitely like a top three that I would recommend for people that uh, want to start doing creative work or currently do creative work just to understand uh, that artists have, like plenty of artists have these processes that they uh, can be very rigid. And this is something that... Uh, listening to Conan O'Brien's podcast where he talks to a lot of, he has, he's had a few comedians on as guests. And this theme is, there's this theme that runs through it. He talked to Ben Stiller and they discussed how serious comedy writing can be. And that at the end of it, it looks like this wacky stuff. Like if you, if you watch SNL, it's all, um, you know, very, very wacky. Uh, but the writer's rooms can be, fairly serious people really want to get things right um and yeah pulling this back to the creative habit twyla tharp talks about um her day-to-day and how regimented it can be even though she's doing very creative work um in the dancing itself in the past and in core uh, doing the choreography and just uh design i don't know the exact word for it but like designing the dance that the group will do um coordinating that and the egg, that that enormous egg in the center of it, is um, this is a quote from the Creative Habit. It's about uh, how she starts creative sessions. She says, "The exercise I call egg is a great way to start a creative session. It couldn't be simpler. I sit on the floor, bring my knees to my chest, curl my head down to my knees, and try to make myself as small as I can. In this minimalized, shrunken state, I have nowhere else to go." I cannot become smaller. I can only expand and grow. I think that's a good way to end uh, this room. I think that um, taking something from idea to execution, like this, start with this episode, it's a matter of, um, I think 
getting in that shrunken get, getting in that state so make that shrunken state that hour uh so i'm gonna make this an assignment to you not not really but um uh, yeah just take the hour of or anything that you're working on set a timer put create that shrunken state for yourself and then work within there and you could only expect I should I should have probably stopped after I said the quote and then moved on to the next room. So let's do that. This next room, you step into your backyard. I guess it's not a room. You step into your backyard. It's actually a driving range. So there are those turf pads, buckets of golf balls, of course, golf tees. There's also a seating area with pies. You expect more snacks, but it's just pie. This is a note for The Knowledge Project with Shane Parrish. The episode's called Becoming a Model of Thinker. His guest was Scott Page. They discuss... So what I had here was the golf tees are supposed to represent tee shapes. And then the pie is, of course, like a pie shape. And you can think of this as just like a flat line with the letter T. I guess I don't have to... The, you know what a T. And then pie is uh, P-I, like the math pie. So it has two prongs. This is to explain two types of like the shape of the knowledge that people, different people have and probably like taking a look at what your knowledge is like. So a T-shaped skill set is something where someone goes very deep in their knowledge. So that's what like the vertical line represents is someone going super deep. And these are people that excel. You could think of, I guess I always go back to like basketball players, but you can think of maybe like a chess, the best chess player in the world um, going super deep on chess knowledge. Then there are people who excel in a couple different fields. Uh, these are the pie-shaped people where they have expertise in both fields. So I'll, I'll just read this excerpt right now. Um, Scott Page says, there's even people who I've heard describe themselves as having that their human capital is in the shape of a T in the sense that there's a whole bunch of things they know a decent amount about and then one thing they know deep where other people describe themselves as a symbol for pi, where there's two things they know pretty deep, not as deep as the T person, and then a range of things that connect those two areas of knowledge, and then a little bit out to each side. What he, That's the end of the quote. And what he suggests is taking a look at yourself and understanding where you are right now and where you might be able to excel and whether or not, yeah, if you want to pursue one of these two different shapes and if it makes sense to you, if you're inclined to to either of these shapes currently if you're already yeah or if you're already on this path to go super deep if that makes sense to continue on which it might or if you want to start looking at like gaining knowledge in some other area and going deep there maybe you've decided that you're fairly deep in something but to get to like world class it's gonna that's gonna be super hard or you, yeah you're just finding uh, diminishing returns that's where you might be able to think about like what you can what skill you can complement it with and then if you have a path there like moving between those two knowledge bases if you have the means to do that and if it is something that you want to do so what yeah I guess that's I'll, I'll just talk about how I've been trying to apply this is going deep on I guess to try to improve the podcast is what I always talk about. I have been drawing more and writing more and trying to think visually when I'm listening to podcasts. This is uh, to try to build that skill up. I don't think I'm going to go deep into trying to memorize things or become some kind of like 
memory palace expert, but I think it was a good thing to earlier this year, or this happens kind of every year when I review what books I read in the past year, I realize I pigeonhole myself a little, or like create this echo chamber of just like self-development books and business books. And I, I always want to read more broadly so that I can learn things from different areas. I think that's been helping. And I think this year I've been doing a better job of actually following through on that. Yeah, like listening to Moonwalking with Einstein and then trying to apply some of those concepts. It's not super far removed from uh, self-development with like, or like personal development stuff. There's plenty of how to improve your memory kinds of books. But yeah, uh, building that skill up. And I think there's probably like another level or just this is a different shape, I guess, of knowledge where I, instead of at, going like super deep on something, I'm trying to just, uh, this is more trying to create that path from one side to another to take my reading skill. I don't think, it, I, I don't know that, that would be described as a skill, but I do listen to a lot of books. I want to make use of that and somehow combine it with writing and like creating content and try to build that skill up. And then, yeah, find steps to go from one side to the other. And I guess... The path that I have in mind is imagining these rooms and sharing them with other people. Let's go to the next room. I'm sorry for lying. There's no other room. That's the end of the podcast Memory Palace. Let me know what you think about podcast recommendations instead of having a book of the week. I'll probably alternate between the two. And have a good week. Wally and I are in negotiations trying to figure out not really negotiations but we're trying to figure out when we'll be able to record the next episode coming soon maybe the very next one we'll see thanks a lot <laughs>